everyone. Welcome to Order of Operations. I'm Nikki. And I'm Libby. Order of Operations is a podcast where we're looking to inform and inspire those who are running Mathemusium Learning Centers, those aspiring to run a business or a franchise, as well as those emerging leaders out there with our best practices and experiences through the lens of two girls who are in their 20s and have some senior level management experience. So for today, we are on episode five. We are discussing all about burnout. We'll start out by getting the lay of the land with some facts and stats, then go through our experiences with burnout. We'll then have a discussion with Annette, who is the artist behind the Instagram account, The Burnt Out Brain. I'm fangirling a little bit. I am pretty excited for this conversation. Then of course, we're gonna wrap up with problem of the week. So thank you to those who submitted on our Instagram and Facebook some questions about burnout. I had to go first last time. So for this round of practicing what we preach, what was your frog, Libby? What was the task you were most dreading but was the most important? So last week we talked with Sam about how there's KPIs that are conflicting in nature. This week, my frog that I was working through is the logistics of getting customers to resume their membership agreements post-COVID. So I know my company, we've been really flexible the last couple months, allowing extended freezes and pausing reoccurring billing. But now our states don't have the same restrictions on our business operations, and I would like to get back to a predictable revenue stream as quickly as possible. But at the same time, I don't want to upset the families that are still either fearful of the virus, they have their jobs impacted by loss, or they just no longer have that sense of urgency for our services. So I'm trying to balance getting people back under membership agreements and abiding by the original contract without being like the shark of a business owner that might hurt their own reputation in the community. What about you, Nikki? What was your frog this week? This time, mine was getting back to my 2020 strategic plan. And this was a frog because it was just so painful. I had a grandiose plan for what 2020 was going to look like. I started the year off strong and organized. And so getting back and revisiting what was on the paper was just leaving me feeling bad. I was avoiding the feeling and so just kept putting it off. I did end up getting a few things restarted and reorganized, so that felt better, but it was a struggle just to get to that point. I'm sure there's a lot of others who are feeling that same way. I know my dad's redoing all their revenue goals and what is reasonable, because at the end of the day, we still want to hit certain financial targets and we're going to almost have to backload the year financially. So things have certainly not been easy right now with the coronavirus still affecting our daily lives. So this is one of the reasons that it's super topical that we discuss burnout. So before we get started and talk about me and Nikki's personal experience with burnout and how we overcome moments of us fizzling out, let's start with some facts and statistics. The Mayo Clinic provided us a wonderful definition. So here's Libby's definition for the episode. We're going to talk about job burnout. So job burnout is a special type of work-related stress. It's a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. Yeah, and so true to my data-driven self, I wanted to get grounded in some statistics for this subject once we had it well-defined. I found a Gallup survey that provided some interesting perspective. So they interviewed 7,500 full-time employees about burnout. 23% said they felt burned out more often than not. 
then 44% reported feeling burned out sometimes. So a total of 67% were dealing with burnout sometime in their career. And the other 33% are liars. <laughs> I can definitely see that. I also wanted to see how burnout was dependent on your profession. So the top professions that experience burnout are number one, a physician, which absolutely makes sense, especially now. So the AMA estimates that 50% of physicians experience burnout. Third are social workers. And this one is interesting. It's caused by something different that the NIH calls secondary traumatic stress. So it's kind of like secondhand smoke, but it's secondhand stress. Fourth were teachers. So the rate of burnout for teachers actually varies greatly by their age. So those under the age of 30 leave the profession at a rate 51% faster than those who are older. Fifth are school principals. An EdWeek study found that about half of new principals leave their job in the first five years. Sixth are attorneys. Seventh are police officers. Number eight is public accounting. Number nine is fast food. And number 10 is retail. MarketWatch found that the turnover for non-managerial retail jobs is 60% among full-time workers and 110% among part-timers. So that means that some part-time positions were filled twice in the same year. There's a lot of really important information that was in there, and I want to help unpack it for people because I know Nikki and I, we get to look at this stuff on paper and you guys are listening to it via audio. So let's, let's break down some interesting talking points. So the school principal... Uh, a study found that half of the new principals leave their job in the first five years. I think that it's pretty fair to say that being a center director is fairly parallel to that role of a school principal. And I would reach to say we retain our center directors at similar rates to that of a school principal. You said in retail that part-time workers, you have 110% turnover. I know you and I did a KPI swap with some other MCOs. And there were multiple of us that had over 100% turnover on our part-time workers. So that certainly applies there. And then the secondhand stress was another one that you talked about with social workers. And experiencing that secondhand stress, I know with us, whenever you're working with kids, I feel like it's really hard to work with kids and not have that emotional attachment to their own situations. So the kid who may have just been pushed along for years and years in school and their school district or their like schooling system just really failed them, or they failed to diagnose an IEP need, those kinds of things. It's really hard not to have like that stress that you take home with you after work. You go home and you're at the kitchen table and you're still thinking about that kid whose story broke your heart that day. You named off 10 jobs. It's interesting that managing a learning center is actually a blend of a lot of these. I'm curious how learning centers and mathnasium compares to these professions. We're a smaller population, so it would be hard to get the statistics. I do feel like I hear people talking about burnout more than in other professions, but then again, the majority of my network is mathnasium, so it's probably a bit of a skewed sample. But what about you, Libby? Have you experienced burnout? I think all of us have. There's really three main sources of burnout. There's high expectations of others, there's comparing yourself to your peers, and then there's feeling overworked. So I don't experience burnout as often as I used to because I've really built up a stamina for how much I work. 
And I only really start to struggle whenever I don't feel appreciated or I don't feel heard or when there's a project I have to do that's outside of my skill set. And I feel like I'm just kind of got my tires stuck in the mud and I can't get myself out. Uh, what about you, Nikki? Do you, you experience burnout? I would imagine so. You have my portfolio times two plus two. Yes, I definitely feel it. Uh, I feel my best when I'm most productive and that doesn't have to just be for work. So it could be helping a friend, cleaning my house, having a good match in Apex on the Xbox, anything where I'm accomplishing something. And burnout might be the worst for me when I was a center director managing a learning center. When I moved from running a small center to a larger center, I went from overseeing like four to five people to overseeing 15 to 20. And this is where I learned delegation and leadership and a trial by fire and made most of the mistakes that I discuss in episode two. Here I was trying to do everything myself and was not doing everything well. And so felt unproductive, was also working way too hard. So back then and now, if I have days where I just can't get motivated, which is probably from already working long hours, then I just slip further into frustration. I want to get something done, but just can't. Then I feel bad that I didn't get everything done. So try to get work done late at night and boom, I'm back to feeling tired and unproductive the next day. So now I'm just like back in that dark spot since we're talking about burnout and let's turn things around. So how do you tackle burnout, Libby? So during the times that I'm feeling particularly burnt out and I can't get myself out of it on my own, what I really do is I lean into my network. So I think a lot of the times, I mean, you and I in particular, and then a lot of our viewing audience is like that top of the pyramid. So the owner operator who oversees the rest of their team. I think a lot of us struggle to get out of a burnt out phase because there's no one to really relate, help us out, commiserate with. So what I've really grown to do over the years is to lean in on my network. So I call up a fellow franchisee and I ask them to lunch. I hop on a virtual meeting with our MCO network just to kind of talk through some of the things that are shared experiences, but at the time you can feel really alone. So I think having someone to vent to who can really understand what you're going through helps a lot. Also routines. I think routines is a really easy one for everyone. Whenever life gets a little crazy, I think it's super important just to super, super, super focus on the controllables in your life. Eat good food, sleep on a good schedule, make sure you're exercising, and then take personal time for yourself, and it'll help you come out of that dark place faster. <laughs> what about you, Nikki? How do you tackle burnout? Well, I am so process and task oriented that of course I tackle burnout the same way. So I find myself digging out of the hole by just taking tasks in smaller bites. So for example, right now I have 179 emails that need to be replied to or have a task associated with them that need to be completed. And I am an inbox zero person. And so this is like physically paining me right now to have this many emails. So if I sit down and say, I'm going to finish my email today, that's phenomenally overwhelming. I used to do the same thing with like household chores, for example. I would tell myself, I need to clean the whole house. That didn't work. 
I would start and not finish and then just be left with a bunch of guilt and a messy house still. So the mountain climber Allison Levine says, sometimes you have to go backwards in order to eventually get where you want to be. And I absolutely agree. So taking a step back and gaining perspective is invaluable. I've learned that I can manage things better if I break them up into smaller bites. My to-do list for today, for example, has two out of the five tasks on there about my email, but they're achievable benchmarks. I'm starting the day with the goal of getting to 150, then we'll take a break and do some other things. Then I want to keep working down to 125. So I'm still working on the same task of catch up on my email. I just feel so much better about it. Nikki, it is Memorial Day weekend and you're at the lake and you have a goal for yourself of answering 54 emails. <laughs> you guys, that's, it, that's how you, that's how you get things done. No rest. It makes me feel better though. It works for me. Like if, if doing things on your day off doesn't work for you, then I don't recommend it. But like, I will just sit and think about what needs to get done and I'm not actually relaxing. So doing things is like my, my relaxing, <laughs> which I know sounds like I, I promise I'm not a crazy person, guys. It makes sense to me, but it's just that it's that mentality that I want people to hear is that on Nikki's day off, she still has a goal of answering 54 emails. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So we have a very awesome interview coming. So Nikki is a huge fan of this Instagram account that she introduced me to. So we actually have the artist coming in to join us today. Today, we are going to be speaking with Annette. She is the artist behind the Instagram account, The Burnt Out Brain. She is a Cuban and born and raised in Miami, is 23 and actually just a week ago moved to Brooklyn. She started the account back in August of 2019 and manages it in between working full-time and painting and watching Netflix and spending time with her loved ones in her free time. Awesome. Thank you, Nikki, for finding us a subject matter expert. This will be fun to hear from someone who's outside of our franchise network. Really quickly, before we get started with today's interview, I just want to give off a quick warning. So today we're talking about burnout, and burnout really goes hand-in-hand -hand with mental health. And Annette, who we have about to come on, she's of the same demographic as Nikki and I. So we're both that late millennial, early Gen Z generation. And we speak very openly and honestly about our needs and mental health concerns. So Nikki and I were very mindful of the fact that most of our viewers were 50% male-based and over 70% of our listeners are over the age of 40. So that's not necessarily a demographic that typically talks about mental health the same way that ours does. But first and foremost, I want to say that mental health is inclusive. It does not discriminate against your gender or your age. And then second, even if this isn't something that necessarily is the most relatable topic to you, the majority of our workforce for our business is people between the ages of 20 and 30 who this does pertain to. So I want you just to practice mindfulness and listen during this exercise. Welcome, Annette. I've been following your account for some time, and I'm really excited for you to join us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll start off with um, some just like background questions and then want to hear more about your Instagram account and your experience. Sounds good. 
Yeah. So first one, I'm really curious about just what motivated you to start your account, Burnt Out Brain. So I have struggled with my mental health since I was 15. And I've always been an artistic person. And I never really like connected the two that I could probably use art to help me with my struggles. So in August of 2019, I went out, bought an iPad impulsively, bought an Apple pencil, and started drawing out my feelings. And for some reason, people picked up on it. People started looking at my account and they started, they started to follow me. And so I figured this is a good thing that I could pursue. I could probably help people through my own struggles. And in December, I kind of went at it full force. Awesome. So what was your goal whenever you started really devoting all of this time and energy into the Burnt Out Brain Instagram account? Were you looking just to like vent in a sense? just to like the open void of Instagram? Or were you looking to build a community of like-minded individuals who are also experiencing their own mental health issues? So at first, it was definitely just to get out everything that I needed to get out into the world that was inside my head. But now my, my motivation has shifted. And I like to think of it as two things. I want the world to be more educated. I want the world to be more compassionate. And I want people like me to feel less alone. Because when you struggle with your mental health, you think that you're the only person who's struggling. And that's super not true. So I want to do those two things, educate and make people feel like they're not alone. That's awesome. I know Nikki and I, whenever we were first getting on with you, we had mentioned to you that actually about 50% of our viewership are men in their 40s. And I know you, me, and Nikki, we're all women in our 20s. It's very different for our age demographic to speak openly about mental health. Mm -hmm. I feel like the world's really shifting in that sense that we feel more comfortable talking about if we have depression, if we need to go to therapy, what we need for our own mental health needs. Um, whenever you decided to start the Burnout Brain and start to build this community and start educating your audience, you definitely have a brand and a style and there's an artistic look to your Instagram account. Did you consider your audience possibly whenever you were building out what that looked like? So actually, it's really funny that you bring that up. I think part of the reason why people started realizing like, oh, this is a cool account that I can follow is that I was just kind of posting things willy nilly and I couldn't figure out like, okay, I've reached this amount of people. Why can't I reach more? And a lot of accounts like mine have an aesthetic. They have a sort of color situation going on. And I realized I should do the same. And I feel like the inside of my brain is just like pink and black and gray. And that's my whole color thing. It relates to a lot of people, you know, pink is just a color. So I think that what matters more is the substance and the message. But the aesthetic definitely helped with people being like, oh, this is this is a pretty account. I want to follow her. You have a really beautiful color story. I'll give you that. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so with being an Instagram influencer, you have a really nice following. Whenever you're an influencer, sometimes you put out the content that other people want to see and not necessarily the content that always speaks to you because you're looking to grow your audience or grow your likes or grow your following. What is your priority whenever you have the Burnt Out Brain account? My priority is always me. And that sounds kind of funny. But everything that I post is something that I'm either dealing with at the time, something that I thought about that happened to me in the, in the past, something that I want from the future. It always stems from something that I'm going through and something that I'm feeling and thinking. And people just so happen to relate, which is pretty cool for me on my end. But yeah, it's it's all stuff that... I know will help me 
if I just put it on paper, well, digitally on my iPad, and then people end up relating to it. That's amazing because it, it really resonates with a lot of people. I mean, you get great engagement, lots of comments, lots of likes, and you're, I feel like when I started following you, you were at like 10,000. And so now like 27,000 last time I looked. Yeah. So with mental health, having a community is really important and having that expressive outlet. Can you describe the community that's really developed around your art? I know, Nikki, you just mentioned you get a lot of comments and a lot of likes. I'm sure you also get a fair amount of DMs from people who just find a lot of value in having someone else put their thoughts to words or put their thoughts into like a visual medium. What kind of community has developed around your Instagram account? I have made so many friends and it's pretty cool. And it's like such a healthy community too. Um, you know, there's like the makeup community and they're this kind of messy there. Um, but the art community is just so nice and so supportive, especially in the mental health space. And I get so many DMs and every single one is so humbling and it never stops making my heart burst whenever someone messages me and says, you helped me. And this, this certain thing, I needed this right now. And it came across my feed and I feel better because of you. And these come in on the daily and like, it just, my brain poof, my heart poof. Like I can't deal with it. And, and it doesn't get old. I love it. Wow. What have you found to be really important for you for your mental health? This week, we're really talking about burnout and how professionals who are under a lot of stress, how they can avoid burnout and work on their own mental health while still staying productive. You definitely have your art as an outlet and you have a beautiful Instagram account to show for that. What else have you found important for you and your mental health? What other changes have you made to your lifestyle to give yourself some white space? For me, therapy has been life-changing. I started going to therapy two years ago, two and a half years ago, and I've stayed with the same therapist. And something that we really honed in on is the fact that I needed a self-care routine. And a lot of people don't realize that like having a self-care routine can drastically change the way that you are feeling when you're going through an episode, like a depressive episode, an anxious episode. You need to have a plan. I'm feeling this way. So I can write down the things that I know will make me feel better. And I have a routine for me. I love to take bubble baths. I need to have my own alone time. Um, it's just how I am. I grew up as an only child, so I can't be around people for too long. I like to take naps. I love to follow a, a skincare routine. There's such simple things, and it doesn't have to necessarily be all about like bubble baths and candles like self-care can be going and sitting outside on your balcony and watching the stars so it could be anything that makes you feel good and have that plan ready for when you're feeling like not okay and that's what's helped me my self-care routine it's a shame that this is a podcast because your skin really is glowing and the audience oh my god <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome Okay, so you talked about mental health. You definitely talked about some like nice physical routines like the bubble bath and your skincare routine. You also mentioned something that I consider a grounding exercise. So writing down things that ground you and what makes you happy or just like putting thoughts to paper, maybe doing like a brain mapping exercise of what's going on in your head just to kind of help you feel like you have a grip on what's happening to you. Are there any exercises that you might have not found effective for you, but you might find effective for someone else? Because, I mean, we're all a little bit different. Are there any other exercises that your therapist had recommended to you that maybe weren't right for you, but you think that someone else could find so value actually, in? writing, I can't do it. For some reason, it, like, 
it's like the bad thoughts are manifesting in front of my eyes. So it's not only happening in my head, but it's happening on paper. And I, it's never worked for me and I've tried, but I know for a lot of people writing it down, people love to like write it on a paper and then burn it or throw it or just rip it apart. And that's really cathartic. But for me, it's like, oh no, like my thoughts, now I see them on paper, they're real. Like it doesn't work for me, but definitely it's a common thing. Like writing is awesome for people. Annette, I appreciate that you find that writing doesn't work for you because I feel like that's something that like, that's just like a go-to that people say like, oh, just keep a journal. That just makes me cringe. I like do not want to just sit and write. I've like already lived through everything in the day. So no, I don't want to sit at the end of the day and just recap it and write it all too. So I appreciate your (laughs) perspective there. (laughs) Our audience is a bunch of professionals who will at times experience burnout. And then I think there's nothing harder than being in the middle of a burnt out phase and knowing that you need to come out of it and be productive for others because our our business model we're a team we have employees we have people who rely upon us we have an entire franchise brand that relies on us you know maintaining a certain status quo do you have any recommendation for people who are experiencing burnout how to pull themselves out of it or you know at least be able to mentally cope with it while still maintaining a productive lifestyle my recommendation is and it's not an easy one i would say to talk to your superior I think a lot of people don't think about that. And it's kind of scary to be honest with your manager, with your boss. But if you sit down with them and you sincerely tell them what you're going through, hopefully, a lot of the time that you're met with empathy and you're met with, okay, like you need to take a day off or if you need to take a half day, do what you need to do, because that's a sign of a good manager, a good boss. But if let's say you're not met with that, and you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? Now you he- you need to hone down on that self care routine, you need to make sure that if you're feeling burnt out, you need to do the complete opposite of what your job is. If your job is being on the computer all day long, go outside, read a book, look at the stars, stare at the clouds, do what you need to do to to disconnect from your day to day part of your of your life. And also tea. I love tea. Helps helps calm me down. So if you if you like to drink tea, that's also helpful. So <laughs> nice little herbal remedy for you guys there. I love it. I think that's important for people to hear as employers and especially because a lot of people in our franchise employ people who are in approximately their 20s. Either they're entering college, they're in college or they're freshly out of college. That's really our niche market for hiring candidates. So it's important for them to hear your perspective on why we should show leniency and show respect for our employees that way. A lot of these people are franchisees, so they're their own business owners, they're their own boss. And they're kind of like that point of the pyramid where everyone under them relies on them to not have an off day. What would you say to those people who can't necessarily go and ask for forgiveness? Or would you encourage them to ask for forgiveness from their own team? I think that a lot of people who are at the top of that pyramid think that if they're not present, the entire company's just going to run to the ground like if they're not there to fix it everything's going to everything's going to hit the fan and you should trust yourself and your own employees to to know that if you're not there the operation is still going to happen the 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 job is still going to happen the company is still going to be there you have managers under you that will take care of those younger lower i guess employees so trust yourself you built this business you can take the day off if you need to like you're allowed to and it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at the top or at the bottom, you, you, if you need to take a day off, ask for it. 
Annette, what is something that you would like for everyone listening to know? Any sort of thing now that you have this, this audio platform, um, instead of your visual platform, what's something you would like to tell everyone? I want to let everyone know that they matter and that their brain matters and that their thoughts matter and their feeling matter and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like we all have feelings. And like you said, your audience is a little bit different than what we look like. Men are taught that they're not allowed to show their feelings. They have to be, remain masculine and they have to keep their masculinity for their families. That's so outdated. That's not a thing anymore. Like men are allowed to be in touch with their feelings. Don't be emotionally constipated. If you are feeling like you're depressed or anxious, there's no shame in that just because you're a man. If you're going through something, reach out to a therapist, reach out to a loved one, because it doesn't matter who you are, what gender you are, how old you are. If you're struggling with your mental health, you need to get the help that you deserve. So that's what I want everyone to know, that you matter. And if you need help, please ring the alarm because there's no shame in it. Well, Annette, that was a beautiful sentiment to end on. And I thank you for your honesty and coming on and joining us for this podcast. Now, Nikki and I are going to transition to the listener-submitted problems of the week. So, Nikki, first question. How do you attack a long to-do list? I know you kind of just talked about this at the beginning of the episode of how you break it down into chunks. But how do you really attack a monster to-do list? Well, first of all, I don't make one. So... A long to-do list is actually detrimental to your productivity. When you make a to-do list for the day, you should focus on asking yourself three questions and you should determine your tasks from those three questions. The first thing you need to do should be answering the question, if this is the only thing I did today, would I be satisfied? The second category of questions would be, If I complete these tasks, will this make my day even better? And then the third one is, what tasks do I need to do that must be done after the previous ones are complete? And so you only put five things on there. I thought you were going to take that answer a completely different direction because you said you don't have one, but it's because you you prioritize and you only allow the top five priorities to make your list. I thought we were going to talk Mm -hmm. about delegating. Another way to attack a long to-do list, Nikki talks about priorities. I know my dad taught me to break things up into if it's high priority or low priority, and then high urgency or low urgency, and you kind of make it like a four quadrant to-do list, and you tackle those things in a sequential order. I think the most important thing is just to get started. Our next viewer submitted question is, people are different, and they experience burnout differently. How do you manage people's differences? So I know for me, we have employees who you can see the burnout coming because there's kind of like warning shots that fire at you. Like they might be a little bit short tempered. They might be really sleepy. They might leave work early multiple days in a row and you can see it coming and you can try and support them through it. And then we have the employees that really just suppress, suppress, suppress. And then they just explode out of nowhere. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were experiencing burnout. I'm so sorry. I know for me, I'm, I'm fortunate that my team is of similar age to me and they feel comfortable bringing to my attention their needs because we're of a similar demographic and we have a friendship and we've built a relationship over years because we've had a lot of our teammates for years and years. For anyone who employs people much younger than them or they aren't like good buddies with their team, 
I would just start establishing open lines of communication because that will help you manage those differences. We talked a little bit about the five workplace love languages in episode two. So you can manage people's burnout a similar way. It's just by openly asking, what do you need from me? If you can ask what people's needs are and find ways that you can kind of meet them in the middle, it's going to make you a better employer. I completely agree with what you were saying, Libby, about communication. I think a mistake that I made was assuming that everybody handles things the way that I do and assuming that everybody wants help the same way that I do. And so just getting to know your team and like understanding how they feel and how they manage stressful situations and then empowering and enabling them to do what they need in a mutually beneficial way. I think that's really important. Like there needs to be give and take on both sides. And knowing that just sometimes when people call, they don't really want you to immediately jump in and solve the problem, which is really hard for me. I'm a helper. And so I want to help with everything. Sometimes people just want to vent and they just want you to sit quietly and not say anything and just listen to them. I also think if you have someone on your team that you frequently delegate out to, if you start practicing a sense of mindfulness in asking your team member, can you handle this right now? Or is this something that I need to give to someone else? Is this a project that you can take on? Or do you not feel that you have the capacity to do so? It's a mindfulness exercise that is frequently encouraged in couples therapy, but asking for permission before adding onto someone's plate. I know that kind of feels funky to listen to as an employer where you're like, I hired them. They're supposed to come to work. They're supposed to do work at work, but it's just a mindfulness exercise. And if you want high retention, like Nikki has been with her team for seven years. I have people on my team who have been with us for upwards of five years. We practice mindfulness in our organizations. And we don't overload our people. We don't burn out our people because that's just going to result in retention issues and having to fill vacancies in your company. Thank you to those who are submitting questions for problems of the week. We really appreciate all of the conversations on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and then just straight to our emails as well. That's it for episode five all about burnout. We appreciate Annette for joining us today and thank you for listening to Order of Operations. I'm your host, Nikki Atwood. And I'm Libby Lawson. And we'll leave you with this, PEMDAS. There's a podcast every Monday. Download and subscribe. Bye.